If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. again and welcome tonight to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you join us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, each and every Monday night you can catch us here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. That's 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock there in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you can find us here with Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And we're always glad to come to you each and every Monday night. This show is designed with you in mind. Our platform is very simple. We address the issue of domestic violence, the issue of sexual violence, abuse, abandonment, grief, hurt, pain, divorce, whatever calls you hurt, because we know that it takes hope and hope is part of healing. It is all a journey to wholeness. And for those of you that are joining us tonight, we're so glad that you've taken out of your time to join us on this Monday night. That's right. This is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and uh, we are always elated uh, when this month comes around, only because we know that we have a heightened awareness that goes on. But for those of you that have followed us for years, you know that every month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month as it's related to the work that we do. Now, for those of you that may be listening tonight, you're listening one of two ways. If you're listening by way of the Internet, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. Once again, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you're listening to us. For those of you that are choosing to listen to us by way of phone, the number is area code 323-784-9638. Once again, area code 323-784-9638. And that's important tonight because if you want to come on, If you have a question, a comment, or you would like to share, you can call that very number, 323-784-9638. Simply hit the number one on your keypad. 
That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air. Now, feel free. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to give a real name. But definitely, if you like to share, we would love to have you on tonight to share with us. Because we believe that tonight is a very special show, as we're going to really dive into some real issues as it relates to domestic violence and healing. And particularly tonight, not only do I want to look at the inherent impact of domestic violence on family and on individuals, particularly in certain cultures, I want tonight to, to talk about the fact of what is it far as the responsibility of really the church, if there is uh, in responding to this issue of domestic violence. And that response is not always meaning responding as a reaction, but also what can the church do or what should they be doing in terms of prevention and pro- being proactive. So that's very important tonight uh, in terms of what we're talking about. And we're excited about this time here and what we're doing. Once again, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Fickman. I am the founder and CEO of Destiny by Choice. Inc. Uh, we have been around for a number of years inside of the work that we have done inside of domestic violence. Destiny by Choice itself is 16 years old, uh, but the work of domestic violence have been going on over 23 years, and we are very glad to be one of those soldiers on the front line because we understand when it's all said and done, it is about life. It's about families. It's about individuals whose life and quality of life is oftentimes compromised, if not even taken, due to this horrific epidemic in our society, which is called domestic violence. For those of you that are following us on Facebook, I have a number of pages that you can follow us on Facebook with. We have uh, domestic violence. It is your business. It is a it is a closed group page on Facebook, but you can request to be a part of it, and we're glad to have you. We have another page on Facebook. Is our signature page, J.R. Ficklin, T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N. And then we also have another page, Destiny by Choice 2, fellowship page. Now, let me make sure I clarify the difference between Destiny by Choice and Destiny by Choice 2 fellowship. Destiny by Choice 2 fellowship is a page that is really, is a great group page that is there for inspiration, uplift, scripture is uh, scripture is going on, praise, sharing of songs, and things that are uplifting uh, throughout the day. And we have a, a we have an awesome administrative team headed by Indy Harlem that makes sure Destiny by Choice 2 is going on. You ought to check it out. If you want to find something that's a positive oasis on social media, go to Destiny by Choice 2 page. And then I need to add also that we have our regular Destiny by Choice page that is also on Facebook. And check that out. That is linked to our website. And I want you to check out our website. Website. It is www.destinybychoice.org. That's right. And there you'll find some very great information, a lot about our organization, a lot about the work that we do and reaching out in the community, and a lot of information that is going to give you direction and serve as a resource. And so with that in mind tonight, I am so excited. I have a lot of special people that are on the line, and some of them are going to be a guest. They don't know it yet or do know it. Just haven't uh, decided who's going to go first, but I need or you are on the line and desire to share with us tonight. That once again is Eric Code three two three seven four nine six three eight. Now, what I need you to do is hit number one on your pad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air or that you want to share, and that way we can get you on the air. Other than that, we will proceed inside of our conversation together. And so, listen, we are dealing with National Domestic Violence Awareness Month all over. 
all over the country, there are many things that are happening to raise the awareness about this epidemic, and some would even say pandemic, as it relates to this issue that we call domestic violence. In our society alone, domestic violence is not only uh, uh, crippling families and destroying lives and destroying futures, but we have an issue with domestic violence that has transcended even uh, what we could have ever imagined there. Now, why is that important today? It is important for a number of reasons, because what we must understand is that domestic violence is not a single act. It is not a single act or action, but domestic violence is literally a behavior. It's a, it's a behavior. It's a mindset. It is a thought process. It is one that is being deeply informed to believe that their way of accomplishing their life is through the manipulation, through power control of their significant other. And that is so very important inside what we're doing today. Many people that are listening today, you're very familiar with some of the national statistics that, and the stats that talks about the fact that one in four women will be a victim of domestic violence in their lifetime. But I want to also make sure that, we're, that, we, that we share the whole part of that truth, that sadly, also, not only is one in four women a victim of domestic violence in their lifetime, one in seven men will suffer that same fate. Our problem is that we have an epidemic, and I would dare even say a pandemic in our society, also, the fact this issue often goes untalked about. It goes silent. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to raise the issue. Not even in the house of worship do we really want to talk about this subject matter here. And is it because the fact that it is something that is behavior and meaning that there are many that may find themselves or have found themselves, if you would, behaving in such a manner? Listen, the show is not about embarrassment. It's not about the fact of blame or condemnation, but it is about the fact of eradicating this issue of domestic violence so that we as a people and we as individuals can heal from this terrible pandemic that we have going on. So I want to make sure that we are very solid on that today inside of what we're doing. Listen, Eric 323 That is how you reach us here tonight, and we're so glad to have you on. I'm going to reach out to a caller that we have on the line uh, number ending in 6662 tonight, and I want to say good afternoon and welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Dickman. This is Pastor Smith. How are you? Okay. Pastor, I can barely hear you, so I'm going to actually just repeat that again. I'll try to get our volume up here. Can you hear here. me? I hear you a little better now, so repeat and introduce yourself again to the audience. Okay. This is Pastor Smith. How are yes. you tonight? I am doing great, Pastor Smith. How are you tonight? I'm well. I'm well. That is great. Now, Pastor Smith, you, you, you're you calling tonight because, of fact, this is not an unfamiliar topic to you. Am I right? Right. And absolutely right. inside of that, and I definitely would like to hear what you'd like to share with the audience tonight because I believe that you said shouldn't be happening anywhere. And the fact that it does happen, we all have to do a lot more. Correct. We we really do. And, um, you know, as you know, my church is God Heals All Hurt Outreach Absolutely. Ministries. And um, not only am I, I was a victim, but, you know, next month we'll mark one year that Miss Gloria Riley has passed due to domestic violence. And and it's very important in the church because, uh, I I mean, I'm a victim from church as well as outside the church. 
And sometimes wow. it's hard. It's hard for, and, and then let me just say this because people think when they say domestic violence is just women, but it's some men out there that has been through some things as kids, as an adult. And it's sometimes it's hard to go to your pastor or your leader to say certain things because you don't want to look bad or you don't want to look be frowned upon. And most of most people, especially in the in the African American culture, don't want to get preached on. So whatever I say to you in confidence, that's where I want it and need it to stay because I want to feel comfortable enough to say, okay, let me go to my leader and talk. And, I mean, people think that it just happened on the outside, but it happens in the church. Again, I I was married to a pastor, and he was beating me left to right, but yet still getting up teaching and preaching and telling men how to love their wives. So this wow. is very important. This is very, so, very, when I say important, it's very important. Yeah, and so one of the things that you talk about there is, is, is basically oftentimes the hypocrisy that happens when pastors will set up and supposedly try to teach men how to treat their wives and whatever, and yet it's still they themselves is also perpetrating that same type of violence and abuse. And one thing that you also right. said that I think that is so very pertinent here is that the church just need to get real about the subject matter here. If we have one in four women that will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, one in seven men that will experience domestic violence in our lifetime, chances are that somebody in our church is also amongst that number. After all, people in church don't come from another planet. They all they all right here from planet Earth. They go to school. They go to the supermarket. They go to movies. They go and they participate in life activities. And the reality is the fact that oftentimes because the pastor or the church is not equipped to deal with it, they oftentimes either betray the trust of people or they continue to get real religious and say, well, just go back and let's pray about it. Or we're going to pray about it and, you know, go back and be a better wife or go back and submit a little bit better. And that's not always the best advice because oftentimes that advice there really set people up for long-term abuse. Correct. And then on top of that, you have people that says, well, what goes on in my house stays in my house. And we have to get out of that. Yeah, that we have to get out of that, uh, how do you say, caveman mentality. We have to get out of those things because, again, I only can speak for my culture. When we say something is wrong, some of us get in denial that they don't want to go get that help. You know, sometimes it, it takes more than just a pastor. You need ther- therapy. And when you say okay. that, oh, I don't need no therapy. I don't need this and I don't need that. And then I was one of those people, and I found out hurt people hurt other people. Absolutely. You, you understand what I'm saying? And then you have to get into that 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 mentality of, listen, something is hurting me, and I need to get to a place where I can get some help, not only spiritually but physical help, spiritual, mental help. Because don't I, I almost lost my mind. I if you if I can, just a little bit of me and what happened with me. I literally lost my mind. I, I lost it because I was up here 
as they say, perpetrating a fraud. I'm up here, I'm shouting to making you think everything is okay when it's not okay. I'm suffering. I'm suffocating. I, I'm, I'm in a, a state of anger. And, and I got to the point where I got angry with God because I was like, ain't no way there's a God in heaven that's letting allowing this to happen. But when wow. you don't have, when you don't know better, you will not do better. You will not. Absolutely. You know, uh, Pastor Smith, you said something that was so very important. I really appreciate you saying what you said. Is this that oftentimes in the church, and this happened way too often, we act as if somehow or another we're going to embarrass God if we reach out for help. As if Mm -hmm. the fact that we ask for help, somehow or another that really embarrassed God. That is saying that we don't trust God. And nothing could be further from the truth. One of the things that culturally that, that really happens among people of faith, and particularly people of color, is the fact that they continue to think that somehow or another that God is going to be disappointed because they get help. We need to understand the impact mm-hmm. of domestic violence. Women, especially that suffer domestic violence, are five times more likely to commit suicide than women who do not suffer domestic violence. We understand that oftentimes mm-hmm. women who go through domestic violence oftentimes also suffer many health conditions and things as a result of it, not to mention post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder. Now, let me say mm-hmm. this. Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled preacher, love the Lord, believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. All those things are great. But let me say this to you. Even after the abuse has stopped, it doesn't mean that the effect is over. Because no. the abuse has stopped doesn't mean that the effect of what has happened is over. So what has to happen is that the church has to be equipped enough even if you don't have a counselor at your church. That is why it's so good to know the resources that are in your community. That's why it's so mm-hmm. good to know who they are, where they exist, so that you can do what? So that you can connect to them. And you can do that in mm-hmm. confidentiality. You can do that inside of it. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, once again, the name of the show is Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Sometimes our journey to wholeness inside of our healing process is just that. We need therapy. We need counseling. We need to be able to walk through it, and uh, it is so important. We have to be able to do so. You're not embarrassing God. You're not embarrassing mm-hmm. God because you reach out for help. You're not letting go. The gospel going to really be disappointed because I ask help. We've got to change that mentality because we must understand when, when did it become embarrassing for us to need help? When did it become mm-hmm. a crime or shame to need help? We all need help. You know what? The Psalms tell us that God <laughs> is our refuge in our strength, mm-hmm. and it said he's a present help in the time of trouble. There's no greater Amen. time of trouble than domestic violence. Listen, this is what I want to do, Pastor Smith, because you have so much great information. I want to go to your point. You, you talked about next month is the one-year and uh, for those that are listening to us across the country and across the world, literally, because this show is not only going on live now in blog talk, but it's also in podcast. So you can always go back to www.soloamericaradio.com and go to Hope and Healing. In any broadcast, you can go back, you can listen to it, you can email it to family and friends. So even if you have someone who's going through right now, perhaps you can get this show, email it to them, give them the opportunity to listen at it in the convenience of their own uh, home or car or whatever, and it would be very beneficial to them. But I want to go back to Gloria Raleigh. I remember this case so greatly. Matter of fact, it was last year. 
it was shortly this time that we finally met uh, Reverend uh, uh, Pastor Smith, and, and and you were on the show last year. You were a part of uh, some things that we did, uh, even with the conversation with the mayor, and quite a few things. And it was very shortly after all of these things. As a matter of fact, you know, we're we're we're, we're approaching a one-year anniversary of uh, of the uh, death of Corey Jones as well, and. Yeah. It was through all of this that we began to connect and with each other, and, and, I, and I knew a little bit more about your story. Although I had saw you on Facebook, I saw God heals all hurt, but it was only until I heard your story that the name of your ministry became the epitome of what you said it is, and that is mm-hmm. that God heals all hurt. And when the death of Gloria Raleigh happened, and for those of you that are listening to us for the first time, Gloria Riley was a young woman here in Palm Beach County, black woman, who was brutally murdered by her estranged boyfriend. She was no longer with him. She had done all the things that people, that, that we say do. We talk about getting out. We talk about getting a safety. And I want people to understand when we say, why don't she leave? Or why don't the victim leave? Because leaving is not always the end of it. Mm-hmm. Leaving is a good step. But there's so many other factors that goes along with it, and that's why people have to be informed. Now, you're there, uh, Pastor Smith. You remember the story. She did leave. She was an employee with the Palm Beach County School Board. Uh, she was a she was a bus driver. Had been there a number of years, as I understand it. She not only has she relocated, yes. and moved. She did all the right steps. But you can take it from there. I, there, because I'm not sure if they're conflicting stories of the fact that. He kind of because he knew that she worked for the bus, you know, uh, for the bus compound. He somewhat knew her schedule, and did he follow her? You know, did he follow her to find out where she lived, and then eventually actually broke in her house and waited for her to get there? Or what happened in that case? Yes, um, eventually he he followed her to find out where she was, and right before that, it was a week before he showed up at her home. And he was standing outside, and she called 911. The family has heard the, we all heard the 911 call, and she's on the phone. She's like, how did he find out where I live? He's outside. He has a picture, and and, and it's a T-shirt that with her picture and said that in loving memory. And from that, they told her that they have to catch him in the act. And see, wow. that goes into play of this restraining order. See, people don't know that. there's. They just think, oh, no contact order, that's it. No, there are restraining orders, and they're not just one. It's several different types of restraining orders. So she left. She went to work like she normally do. She wasn't supposed to go home at that time. She was supposed to go home later. But she stopped by to get clothes. And what hurts me so bad, Pastor Thickman, because I want everyone to know that she was part of God Heals All Her Outreach Ministry. She was wow. just a part of that. And that hurt me because she we was the week that we see, she seen him at her house, she called and said, I can't stay here. We got on the phone. We were trying to call in Palm Beach County alone. Don't you know there's not it's limited shelters for domestic violence? Very Absolutely. Limited. There's only two yeah. certified what they call certified shelters in Palm Beach County. In for the those whole of you Palm Beach County. Yeah. 
And for those of you that are listening by uh, listening to us tonight, I want you to understand the magnitude of that. Palm Beach County is one of 67 counties in the state of Florida. And the state of Florida only have 42 certified domestic violence centers. Palm Beach County happened to have two of those. One of the problems is the fact that Palm Beach County happened to be the fifth largest county in, uh, on, the, on this side of the Mississippi. So Palm Beach County mm-hmm. has a tremendous uh, land mass and a, a tremendous population, yet still we have only two certified centers. And because of that, mm-hmm. oftentimes, in the restrictions and the qualification to get into a shelter, you could actually have a victim who's victimized. And depending on the severity of it or what they consider the imminent danger of it, that person may not be accepted inside of a shelter, although they are fearful for their lives. And so that happens in terms of that. Those of you that are listening from all over the country, I really, really advise you and really encourage you to find out about your county or your state and find out the number of shelters that are there. Call And that's why I say what I said, because after that, then they got the call that he had broke in, and he she had to had scared him because he was awaiting her, but he was waiting for her to get off like she normally do around five six o'clock. So that means if he would have killed her during that time, no one would have known until the next day. She would have laid wow. alone in her home. <clears throat> and and that and the result of that, you know, she left children behind, adult children and minor children. She left them behind. Now this young lady has lost her life all because again, as you said, um, excuse me, Pastor Thickman, this county this county alone only have two domestic violence shelters. And they're and they're always full. They're always full. It took me to leave the state of Florida to be safe in a shelter before I could come back. To come back. Wow. And it was sad because in my in my county that I love so much, my city so much, the shelter was full. It was full. And then there's too much red tape to get in there. And it's not necessary. And that's how women end up going back to their abusers because <clears throat> excuse me, they don't have a way out. And you never and I used to be one of those women that say, Oh, why is she staying in there? I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. You don't know what you would do until you get in that situation. Absolutely. Well you, you brought up some very great points. We right. went to court and he didn't have any remorse. He didn't. And that's wow. why he's serving life with no parole. He will be going to death row soon to sit on there wow. and await. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm so glad you shared that. And uh, that anniversary of that death is, is November. I can't remember what the date is. November November what? Fifth. It's Fifth? November 5th. Yes, sir. But this month, we, we are honoring her. We will be doing that. We got Friday night and Sunday is the closeout. Okay, give we that date and her. time and location. Sure. It's um Friday night, excuse me, <clears throat> the 14th at 7 p.m. 
at Guard Hills All Her Outreach Ministry, 114th North Federal Highway, Lake Park, Florida. Also, the 16th, same location at 4 p.m. in the great city of Lake Park. Awesome. Thank you so very much for sharing, and that is so important. God Heals All Hurt uh, a ministry outreach there, ministry. Yeah. outreach ministry, and that's a great thing to do. Listen, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm going to be back right after this message here because we want to know why don't victims leave? It can be really hard economically to leave a domestic violence situation. As a single woman, you're now challenged with paying for rent, utilities, and everyday costs on your own. If you add children to that, you're now including medical expenses, school expenses. Sometimes it can seem insurmountable. You also have emotional factors. No one asks someone to go on a date and then punches them in the face. So we see it a lot that our women are in love with their abusers. This is the father of their children. This is the person they build a life with. Maybe they own a home together. Maybe they've traveled the world together. Violence is one part of their relationship, a very bad part of the relationship. We see women that normally go back seven or eight times before they finally make a reason to leave. And sometimes it's not the violence that stops it. Sometimes it's the kids that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's the pets that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's a friend who finally got across to her that she should leave before she gets hurt. There's so many reasons to leave, and there's very strong reasons to go back. We can't be judgmental. We need to support any victim that's going through it. I still look over my shoulder every day. And the fear still there. This woman was a victim of domestic abuse. She has chosen to conceal her identity because even though she is free, the fear is still there. For her, getting the courage to leave the comfortable life she knew and not return was the hardest part. I left 11 times. She tried therapy and counseling, but nothing stopped the abuse. I thought that, you know, if I loved him enough, that he would love me back. Ultimately, it was the concern for her children that made her leave. When I saw it affecting my children, I guess that was what really made my mind up. For this victim and some others, they're able to escape their dangerous relationship and find comfort and safety in shelters like the one behind me. Abuse Alternatives in Bristol provides an emergency shelter, therapy, court advocacy, and much more. They you know, tried to just guide me in a direction without putting too much pressure. During the holidays, she was upset about making it a normal one for her children, but abuse alternatives took care of that as well. I had no idea how I was going to do Christmas for my kids, and uh, they saw that Santa came. Since leaving her husband and coming to abuse alternatives, she has noticed an improvement in her children's attitudes. They smile more. They're open more. They're happy, and they feel safe. With the recent tragedy in Glade Spring, this victim knows that a similar fate could have been hers if she never got the courage to escape. I think if uh, I didn't have abuse alternatives to turn to, that you would be doing the story that you've done on her, on me. Kelsey Lair, 19 News, Bristol. 
Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2 and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, each and every Monday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, or wherever you may be, you can find us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. As a matter of fact, the Soul of Radio Radio Network uh, have many different programs that are going on throughout the week, and I really suggest that you would go to www.soulofamericaradio.com and look at our lineup and many different shows that are there, including the Tony uh, Sawling Show. Uh, we have some tremendous shows that are going on um, dealing with love, relationship uh, with different hosts, and you want to really tune in. It's the very best in blog talk radio. Now, before we went to our break, we had a caller on, uh, uh, 
the pastor, uh, Cassandra Smith, with God Heal All the Hurts Outreach Ministry, uh, a ministry that was birthed out of the pain that she had gone through. And the pain that she had gone through is what so many women go through, and particularly women of color. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, an estimated 1.3 million American women experience domestic violence or what we now call intimate partner violence each year. Women make up 85% of the victims of domestic and intimate partner violence. But despite this, most cases are never reported to the police, and most women are victimized by people that they know. And if you think that's a problem, for black women, the problem is even bigger. Black women are almost three times as likely to experience death as a result of domestic violence, more so than white women. And while black women only make up about 8% of the population, 22% of the homicides that result from domestic violence or intermittent partner violence happen to black women, and 29% of all uh, victimized uh, women making it one of the leading causes of death for black women ages 15 to 35. So what do we know? We know statistically uh, black women experience sexual assault and domestic violence and, and intimate partner violence at a disproportionate rate and have the highest rates of interracial violence against uh, them than any other group. So they're, more, they're less likely to report it or seek help when they're victimized. Now, the reason that I bring that up and we talk about particularly to this particular audience here is that the reason black women suffer disproportionately from abuse are complex, but two of the major reasons that we have to be willing to deal with, and this is one of the reasons I believe the church has to be on the front line, and I believe not only does the church have to be on the front line, but I do believe organizations, fraternities, sororities must become better equipped and understand that this is not a subject of shame, uh, and I understand that not only do we have to bring it up, but we have to be proactive about it. Listen to what I'm about to say. The issue of racism and sexism are two of the biggest obstacles to black women when it comes to the issue of responding to domestic violence. And why is this important? This is important because here's the deal. Because many black women and men believe racism is a bigger issue than sexism, what happens? Black women tend to feel obligated to put racial issues ahead of sex-based issues. For black women, a strong sense of cultural affinity and loyalty to community and race renders many of them silent, so their stories go untold. So one of the biggest related impediments is the hesitation in trusting the police. You know what that's like. We don't want to call the police because historically the bad relationship that the African-American community have had with the police. And as a result of that, we have a lot of things that have happened, and we find ourselves uh, oftentimes not feeling comfortable surrendering, surrendering our own people to the police, and it only continues to do what it has done for years. See, black women in and of themselves have always been a double minority, both through racism, being black, and through sexism, being a woman. And so when all those things have come as barriers, those things are only complicated. Watch what I'm about to say. They are compounded and complicated because of this cultural affinity. Black women have found themselves in a position of feeling like they are the protectors when really that's not their God-given role. But they have had to be the protectors and providers and everything else because in many cases, either we, the men, are out of place or we, the men, ourselves, were abusive. And what happens when the man is out of place causes the woman to be uh, displaced, causes the, uh, you know, causes the woman to be misplaced and the children to be displaced, and ultimately God is replaced. And so we got an issue that goes on in our society. But earlier you heard us talking with our guests. We also talked about the fact of how even our spiritual beliefs 
And our negative views about mental health services also factor into why many black women and men, far as that, remain with abusive partners. One in three black Americans who need mental health treatment actually receive it. You know why? Because we're more likely to rely on our religious guidance and faith-based practices when working through relationship issues. Now, let me say this once again, and I'm going to speak this time from the perspective of both a clergy pastor as well as from the perspective of a practitioner. Understand this, folks. There is no spiritual there is no spiritual justification for abuse. Number two, there is no spiritual hocus pocus to get us cured, to get us cured or healed from this abuse. Sometimes we do need counseling, and we've got to be willing to go through the process. Listen, meditation, the process of really getting things out, addressing the trauma that we've gone through, and that is so very important tonight. Those of you that are listening to us tonight, maybe you just tune in to us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and we're so glad to come to you. Now, if you'd like to join us tonight, you can join us by simply going to www.soulofamericaradio.com, or you can call in and listen, or call in and share your comment, or be a guest at area code 323-784-9638. Now, through the course of our time, we've come across many people, we've had many guests, and part of our platform with Destiny by Choice is to be that oasis for people, to be able to be that place that helps victims overcome, to help victims overcome and become stronger, and to also give them a platform for their voice. Over the years, we've had many different persons that we've worked with. I'm so glad to have my partner and friends and colleagues that are out there uh, in the the form of uh, Dr. Valerie Parker and and so many others that are out there that we've worked with, Mildred Muhammad, uh, people that we've worked with and people that we've had along the line uh, that we we have done work with, uh, uh, Sonny Slaughter, uh, Reverend Donna Coombs, uh, Dr. Uh, Patricia Davenport, Reverend Sharon Davis Ellis, of course, Dr. Oliver uh, Williams, and so many more that we can go on. But one of the young person that have also come forth, and I'm going to bring them both on at the same time because, of fact, we have to understand that this stuff happens even amongst the church and even happens among people that are in the pulpit. Now, this is not an expose to, to, to embarrass, but it is to expose so that we can do better. So one of the things I want to do tonight, I'm going to bring both of these guests on at the same time. Uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Valerie, oh, hold on, I, I got to get this right because I'm excited. My friend, my colleague, <laughs> Dr. Valerie Parker, that's right, since last time uh, she's been on the show, she has gotten married to a wonderful person, and I want to bring her on tonight, and I'm going to bring on right with her also, I'm going to bring on uh, as well, and that is Letheria Sigler, who has been with us several times, and one of the reasons I want to bring both of these ladies on at the same time is for this reason here, is that... uh, Val will hopefully will share a little bit of her story, having been married to a pastor uh, for 19 years and actually suffered at this uh, this issue here. But I often say that she is one that we'll talk about from pain to power, and you will find the very similarities inside of what God has done. So let's give a great Soul of America radio welcome to Dr. Val Parker Hagen as well as Dr. 
Well, good evening, ladies. I know that you're both there. Dr. Val Parker-Hagan, my friend, how are you this afternoon? Are you there, Dr. Hagan? No, you're not, because I didn't put you on. Okay. All right. That's technical problems on my own. Okay. So look at there. We did the big build-up. Let's see. Let's get them on. Let's give them a big hand again, folks. Okay. All right. There we go. There we go. Good afternoon. Ooh. You're on the air tonight. <laughs> You're yes, on the air. I am, I am so delighted to be here. Okay. I'm Dr. Valerie Parker Hagen, and it has been a blessing working with you over the years. Thank you so much for having me. Well, absolutely. You know, I, I'm so glad that you're able to get, get on with us tonight because, of fact, your story has inspired so many um, people that know you and people that will get to know you will see the epitome of strength, power, victory, overcoming, and literally, I mean, people hear me talk a lot about from pain to power, but let me be very forthright in saying I adopted that saying from you. I adopted that from you, not because you just said it, but because the fact you were the epitome of it and you came through it. And uh, and then yes, that is also my CD. I have a CD Absolutely. from Pain to Power. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. So we we took it from Pain to Power uh, to Purpose because we understand that sometimes we don't recognize our purpose even inside of the pain. And oftentimes that purpose is not revealed until we're out actually on the other side of it. And you did some tremendous thing. And I want you to hold that for a second because we also have Lethuria Sigler. And one reason I want you both on at the same time, because Dr. Val, Mm -hmm. you know, you turned your pain into power. You did that. You know, I don't want to tell your whole story, but, but you did it. Here were you, a mother with four children, young children at the time, going through what you went through. Outstanding woman of God, love the Lord with all your heart, with the husband that, hey, by all looks and appearances, also love the Lord with all his heart. But uh, some things were going horribly wrong, and I'm going to let you pick up from there, but I definitely want them to hear from the pain to power part because you did some things that, that now, when we look back on it, I say to people, listen, look no further than... Persons like yourself that took your pain and you turned into power. You didn't allow it to make you bitter. It made you better. And our other guest that's on the line, same thing. Lethuria has has come up inside of this, found her voice inside of all that she's gone through. And, uh, and, and I often say she follow. I say they follow in your footsteps in this sense. You know, you now have what? I, I know I, I stopped counting at four books. I know you're at five or Six now, I know between that and audios and things like that, you have done some tremendous thing. And, and I wanted to bring that up because Lethuria here is about to release her book here in the next two weeks called The Secrets of a Minister's Wife. Wow. And yeah. I, I know that you can identify with that because almost any minister's wife that goes through yeah. domestic violence has some secrets. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So have a long time. So Val, what I want you to do is share a little bit more about, you know, I kind of let them in with that. Share just a little bit more about your pain to power. And then I want to bring on Lethuria because the fact of Lethuria, she's also been with us before. And I'm just, I'm just godly proud of her inside of allowing that voice to come forth and now turn that pain to power. Yeah. 
Wow. I tell you, Lethierry, I cannot wait to read your book and hear your story. You know, I I always applaud my queens because, you know, we go through so many different situations and circumstances. And, you know, we always take the brunt of the the abuse because we suffer silently for years, always trying to protect. You know, that's the role of us as queens. We want to protect. We want to be a good wife, a good mother, a, a good um, um, star, as you would put it, because everybody looks at us when we are ministers' wives as stars, like we got it all together. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of weight and responsibility. So one of the things that I always try to do is always try to cover those pains and the sorrows and the hurts, not only with myself but my children because it was abusive to all of us. And for 17 years, I suffered in silence. I didn't tell anyone. Nobody knew the pain because I held, I, I hid it so well. I even wore glasses and shades to church after his abuse. I've had broken noses, you know, kicked in the ribs, um, kicked in the stomach while pregnant, dragged, spit on, you know, all these things, verbal abuse, all these went on for 17 years until finally, you know, my children stepped in and intervened to save me. And at that moment, that's when the lights came on and my eyes became open and I just said no more because any time a child raises up to defend a, a parent or adult, over the abuser, which is their father, that's outside God's law. That's outside God's order. So I didn't know at that time that I was putting, setting my sons up to be at risk to be abusers or be in, in prison for defending me. So at the, I, I had no idea that I was living a life of domestic abuse. I thought that the life I was living was the lot and the weight that God wanted me to live. I felt that that was my cross. And a lot of times we make make ourselves sacrifices, paying a price that no one asks us to pay because God had a Christ that already paid it all. But yet we lay ourselves down as sacrificial lambs. And once I awaken, I got up and I never looked back. I wound up being homeless, me and my four children. And I... Um, we were sleeping on a mattress, uh, on a queen-size mattress, all five of us, and I was driving a hoopty where I could see the the road from between my legs while I was driving, and when it rained, all my clothes would get wet up by the time I got to where I was going. And it was hard. It was rough. But in the midst of that, I kept going because I had those little eyes of, of my children looking at me and depending on me because, see, one of the things we don't do as women a lot of times is take ownership of where we are at that particular time in our life. And that was my first step to recovery. I took ownership of where I was because, see, because I owned it, nobody could throw it back in my face again because I don't know about you, there but a lot of people say if that was me, I wouldn't have put up with that, and if that was me, this wouldn't have happened. But nobody knows your life like you know it, and you can't see the picture when you are in the frame. So no one can dictate to you what your reality should be if they're not living in your shoes. That's right. So by me 
being who who I was here, everybody looked at me and said, oh, she's this beautiful pastor's wife. She's always so poised, so prosperous, not knowing I was broken and ripped apart inside. And I had to walk that way because I was so concerned about the people. I wanted the people to feel that they can rely on him as a leader and 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 also myself, but more so him because he was the pastor. And as I said, that sacrificial lamb, that's what we queens do. We protect our children. And I thought I was doing that, but in essence, I was destroying myself and destroying them too because if I continue to stay in that situation, they could have been a product of the environment. But thanks be to God that they were. And I got out of that situation. I got a place for us to stay. I got me a job. I uh, I started writing, and I worked one of the greatest motivational speakers in the world, Les Brown. I became his primary booking agent. I've written four books. Um, traveled all around the world, and I started a foundation, the Soul of a Woman Foundation, which empowers women and children living in domestic violence situations, and I've extended it so I can include men in that too because men are victims of domestic Mm -hmm. violence. And I've even gone a little further in pulling back the layers of domestic violence, realizing that there's a lot of women that are just like me and may not have been going through the physical abuse but mental mental abuse as well and have Mm -hmm. suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. See, people think Mm -hmm. that (coughs) post-traumatic stress is only affiliated with those on um Army, Navy mm-hmm. personnel, but no, when we go through situations in our life that that post traumatic stress causes us to function outside of our natural capacity, and in mm-hmm. doing so, it also trindles down into our children. We wonder why our children are products of their environment because they grow up, and then something inside them mm-hmm. causes them to snap. And and it begins to be a generational curse. But I was determined that I was going to cut it out at the root. My two sons were not going to be abusers. My daughters were not going to allow anyone to abuse them either. So I had to castrate it from the root and recognize it for what it is. And, see, we have to educate ourselves because, like I said, when, when you're going through a situation, you don't need, you can't even put a name on it. You can't even identify it because of the fact that, you know, it's not something that you're accustomed to. My family, I was not raised in that type manner where you put your hand on a woman or a man, et cetera. We, we taught, you know, you stick together. You love together, you work together so that you can, you know, raise your family to be productive individuals in the earth. But that's not what I was given. And I was shocked and surprised because he was in leadership. He was in leadership. He was a minister. So I expected better, and everybody around my family, they expected better because, you know, here I was. I gotten saved and... um accepted Christ as my Savior, how can I tell them that this man that I'm married to and after I accepted Christ, now I'm getting beat up? Now I have black eyes. Now I have bloody nose. How can I defend that story? How can I defend Christ, the kingdom of God, and saying this is how this is supposed to be in the kingdom? So therefore I suffered in silence, as so many of us do. Yes. 
Well, that 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 has always been so powerful when I hear that, and you know, and, and the fact of where God have brought you and given you the platform and the voice. Uh, just recently, I attended there with your uh, solo. Uh, you know, you have your annual event there, and uh, it was beautiful as always. And um, one of the things that I'm particularly uh, impressed with is the fact that. In many ways, you're not you're not conventional when when your wisdom as it relates to domestic violence, you're unconventional as well, and yes, you know, yes. And, and and that speaks a lot because we don't do a lot of just rehearsing the problem as much as we talk about what we all can do to make a difference, and that's what has to happen, and that means that we have to find people outside of you know we have to find people outside of the scope of the situation to also you know, chip in, find ways to re- to lift up this uh, subject matter and to bring healing because our children are at stake. The next generation is mm-hmm. at stake, and therefore there are some major things that are happening. Uh, I know that we have uh, Latheria, you're there, and you've heard so much that Val have said, but let me do this oh, real yeah. quick. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to let me take this commercial break here, and I'm going. I promise you, we'll be right back. And right after this, we'll bring you right on. Hope the healing and journey of holiness. We'll be right back after this break. As a single woman, 
You're now challenged with paying for rent, utilities, and everyday costs on your own. If you add children to that, you're now including medical expenses, school expenses. Sometimes it can seem insurmountable. You also have emotional factors. No one asks someone to go on a date and then punches them in the face. So we see it a lot that our women are in love with their abusers. This is the father of their children. This is the person they build a life with. Maybe they own a home together. Maybe they've traveled the world together. Violence is one part of their relationship, a very bad part of the relationship. We see women that normally go back seven or eight times before they finally make a reason to leave. And sometimes it's not the violence that stops it. Sometimes it's the kids that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's the pets that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's a friend who finally got across to her that she should leave before she gets hurt. There's so many reasons to leave, and there's very strong reasons to go back. We can't be judgmental. We need to support any victim that's going through it. And welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Tonight, we're dealing with the impact, the inherent impact of domestic violence, but we're talking about the fact of the triumphant, how to come out with victory and what we must do in order to maintain that. And just before we went to the airway, we had our very esteemed guest, Dr. Valerie Parker Hagen, that was sharing with us her journey from uh, from uh, pain to power and, and the things that have come forth. And we have also with us a Latheria Sigler, who's been a guest with us on uh, time past. But uh, Latheria, you're, you're, you're about to release your first book, The Secrets of a Minister's Wife. And you've been on this journey. And uh, definitely uh, you've heard Dr. Uh, uh, Valerie Parker Hagen there. And I know that you could see some similarities inside of the situation. So I'm going to say good evening to you. And uh, I'd like uh, for you to share a little bit, a little bit about your book and kind of how you got there. Okay. Okay. Good. Good night, Pastor Sicklin. Um, As always, it is such a pleasure um, to be here um, with everyone on this platform, and you giving us opportunity to share, um, you know, again about this crucial um, dynamic of domestic violence and domestic abuse. Okay. Um, uh, Dr. Valerie Parker Hagen, okay, <laughs> you spoke on so many issues um, that I myself endured uh, within a past uh, abusive marital relationship. And as, as you spoke, I was like, oh, she hit the nail on the head. Oh, she hit the nail on the head again. <laughs> she hit it again. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, well, in, in my uh, personal experience, I'm going to just, um, just give a little introduction and then lead up into the book um, that got laid on my heart called Secrets of a Minister's Wife. Okay. Um, in my case, also my son, he was very little at this time. Um, when he, he saw his father, you know, hit me, he saw his father hit me. And what he did at a very young age with his little, little hands, he just hold off and he just slapped his father in the face. Okay. Wow. And what he, you know, what he told his father was, don't you ever, he says, don't put your hands on my mommy. Okay. And at that point, I was like, you, you see, 
I said, I, I, I have to, I just have to get out. I have to get out. I do not want uh, my son to be put in a position where he would end up in jail, you know, one day because of defending his mother. And at that time, it was his daughter also. I don't want my daughter um, to think and see that it's okay for, you know, any man to treat her this way. So I just want to say that was one of the, um, per se, you know, breaking points that opened my eyes um, um, that, you know, aided me, contributed to me leaving. Um, and also you talked about a crucial issue as far as mental, I call it mental cruelty because it is mental cruelty. Um, mental cruelty, yes, the physical abuse is awful, right? It is, it's traumatic, you know, it's, um, you go through a lot of, you know, injuries. I, I, I went through that. I also went through the, uh, just him just putting his hands around my neck. For some reason, he, that was his thing. Strangulation. Okay. And, um, you know, he strangled me to a point where I, I couldn't breathe. Um, of course, I actually started to change color. It's like I, I just was starting to black out. And after he realized that I was starting to, the blackout, couldn't breathe, and then that's when he threw me on the bed, okay? There were incidents like, like that. Um, the physical, calling the police, you know, and all that. 31 times to the house, didn't, they, they didn't do anything, let's put it that way, because he was, you know, buddies with the police and had contracts with the police and played golf also. But the mental cruelty, that there was the final straw. And I'm going to explain that. And, and all this all this here is just a of what is in the book. Okay? Secrets of Minister's Wife. The chapter I'm going to really um, hone on is um, when he used his scheme of mental cruelty to set me up or frame me for something I did not do or commit, um, is how he lured me into it. Let me explain that. The deception, I also, I, I call them, a, so I call them master manipulators because they are. And um, Dr. Um, Hagen, um, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You probably can relate to this. Master manipulators. Yes. I told uh-huh. him over and over Yes, you're related. I told him over and over again. And if I, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to get out. But he, you know, he'll come back and say, oh, I'm sorry. And then you know, get this ex- expensive gift. Okay, he's very wealthy, well off. Um, also a prominent businessman. And um, either he'll, you know, go on a cruise or buy this big ring or expensive gift. You know, you know. All right. But this time he says, okay, um, okay, don't leave me. All right, don't divorce me. What we're going to do is we're going to go uh, to the Bahamas and, you know, on this nice cruise, expensive cruise, you know, very, very nice, elevating the cruise and stuff and all that. And he says, um, and then we're going to work on it. Okay, we're going to work on the marriage, and then we're going to come back, and then that's going to be our first step of having a new beginning like that. And I'm like, okay, all right, even though even though I knew of the sexual immorality, even though the, the beatings and you know, the, the the verbal abuse and all the other stuff. It was a little, like this little um, hope, this little shred of hope inside, 
you know, that, that, that said, you know what, I, I still want to work on it. I still wanted to, you know, work out, you know, especially for the kids and, you know, everything else. Um, I, I did love him. At that point, I really did love him and a lot out of reason, so get into. But he says, um, what really lured me, he says, okay, we're going to work on it, whatever. I said, okay, but he said, but I want you to do one thing. Don't tell anyone about this trip. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell your brother. Don't tell your sister. Nobody. This is our secret. Okay? I was excited. I didn't think anything about it. I said, okay, I'm, a, I'm still trusting whatever. This going to be a great trip. Woo! To make a long story short. After the trip, right, after the trip, after coming back over in the United States, um, I almost lost my life. I put it that way. Almost lost my life. Almost lost my freedom, especially 25 years to life, um, trusting in him, you know, that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. He was going to try and patch the, the marriage up, Okay. To me, that is the most severe form of mental cruelty that any human being um, could experience. I ended up in a position where um, I'm a praise and worshiper, and I ended up in a position where I, I saw myself walking through the, the cell. When I was walking through, you know, the cell, the, the cell, um, I heard the... Um, you know, one of the inmates and stuff and making fun of me and laughing. And they said this, oh, oh, that one is a pretty one. Oh, that one is a poised one. Oh, we can't wait till we get you in here because the first thing we're going to do is cut off your long hair and we're going to turn you into our B blank, 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 blank. Okay? Anyway, within this cell, this cement lab I was in, um, other one was in there saying they were making comments such as, oh, you in there praying? Uh, no, you in there singing? Are you, what, if that was me, if my husband tried to set me up because, oh, I'll get a, I'll just blow him up. They, you know, they were talking all this kind of, all, all this violence and aggression. And I just, I said, no. I said, no. I said, I know my God. No weapon form against me shall prosper. I sang that song. It reminds me of the scripture with Paul and yeah, with the Paul and Silas, right? The jail cell. I sang that scripture from woo, the morning to the night, morning to the night. I just I held on to the promise of God, and I the promise was, Lord, also get me out of here. I will praise and worship you for the rest of my days. Wow. And all I could see. After that, after this big, elaborate, magical scheme, this officer, the female officer, came in the wing, and she heard me. She heard me. And she said, um, who's that? Like, wait, wait, I know that voice. And by me hearing her, right, I called out her name from the cell. I called out her name, and she said, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to call her name. She said, oh, my gosh, that's you. And, 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 and she came, and she, she says, oh, my gosh, I didn't see you from you as a little girl. We grew <clears> up <throat> on the same island. We grew up on the same island. And she said, um, 
How 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 you got in here? Oh my gosh, how you got in Did your mom know you were here? Huh? Tell me, how you got and I explained it to her. I said I did tell her, I said, uh, my husband he set me up. He you know, he brained me and stuff and all that and he had me thinking we was gonna go work on it and stuff and all that work on the marriage and stuff and all I'm in here. And she said, You know what? I wasn't even supposed to come this way. How was she supposed to come on this wing? She said, but something told me to come to this wing tonight. And when she said that, I was like, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you. See, I could, that's why I could tell people today. And and then God later, you know, after I got out and, and then he sent people from, Jesus sent people from the north, south, east, west. She led, led me her phone, her cell phone at that time, and um, I was able to call my mom, which I couldn't even use phone, and the people from the island, from other islands, how God how God um, orchestrated this, he had, oh, so many people from different islands come and vouch for my character, ooh, in the front of the judge, mm. and that's another chapter in my book is called The Final Judge, yeah, I mean, The Ultimate Judge and Defender, right, because so Jesus Christ, he is God Almighty, he's the ultimate judge and defender. They came and bought for my character, stood in the back of the courtroom and said, this girl did not do this. This I know this girl. And come to find out what happened, he, of course, he confessed the stuff and all because he did, you know, and then he, he got in trouble. Nothing was against me at all, right? The truth came out. And that's why I, I really like this scripture, too. Who the son says free is free indeed, because you are free if he says you indeed. I know I said a lot, but... <laughs> In a, in a short time, um, I just I just thank God for the awesome opportunity to revolution that he gave me and laid on my heart to write this book, to expose, um, you know, the hurtful, traumatic, true events that took place at the hands of my um, ex-abuser. And one thing I want to see, too, with the, the topic of this book, when it um, when I first yeah I was first you know writing it, um, I had another title, and God He spoke to me so clearly He says No I want you to change the title and name it Secrets of a Minister's Wife right in your role and I was like Lord why I said Well I know I don't suppose to quote, you know question you but Lord why this and I said Okay I'm not going to question you I'm going to be obedient and just from from this title. You know, it's like I, I know God, Jesus Christ, he wants me to reveal to others how they can also be delivered because he delivered me. And if he delivered me, as you know, um, Dr. Val, Valerie Parker Hayes, uh, if he did it for us, he can do it for others. And he has chosen us to be the salt and the light mm, of the earth. So, you, you know, you can't be hidden. You have to go forth and show others. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that you one of the things that you shared that I thought was so important. And I know there are some things that that in your book that I, I know that when you were on another show with me, you talked about uh, <clears throat> some of the chapters in your book, and you were talking about not only recognizing signs, but you were talking about safety and, and getting the safety and all those things that are important. One of the things that yeah. you brought out, and also Dr. Uh, Val brought out as well, when oftentimes when a victim is in an abusive relationship, and especially when the perpetrator is one who holds influence, 
mm-hmm. in a case who holds any greater influence in clergy, <clears throat> you know, lawyers, doctors, law enforcement, high-profile people, when you hold positions, when those individuals hold positions, they are abusive. Mm-hmm. Many times the victim doesn't seem to have their own identity. So the world looks at them as being whoever he is, wife. They see the the woman in this case as being, you know, just his wife, as if she doesn't have a name at all. And that really plays against her when abuse comes up because people find themselves saying, I can't believe that. That's not who that person is because they have oftentimes seen what I call the representative. They've seen that person do a good show. And stuff, and and to the question is to both of you, and, and and what would you all say to to women that may be listening right now and listening back on the podcast, who may be in a relationship, may be married to whether it's a clergy or high profile individual, what would you say to them that something that you could say to them that might give them the courage or at least an example to to cause them to look at to to recognize that they deserve. To not only be valued, but they do have a voice themselves. Yeah, I would like I would like to speak on that um, first. I what I would say to them, um, especially as far as being grafted into his identity and not having her her own, um, because many times that's that's exactly um, how it is. Um, oh, deepen first of all, deepen. Deep it, if she don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, get, mm, get in the Word, get, um, get into to, to Jesus, develop that relationship, whatever. It's because it's through Him that is where she would get her identity. That's where her true identity comes from. Okay, but he's, you know, realize that she is a child of the Living God. Realize that He is all power. He is all omnipotent, um, not the abuser, okay? Realize that, you know, um, she is beautiful. She is wonderfully made because many times, um, like in my case, what he did was beat me down uh, emotionally, actually tried to tear apart my soul, telling you, you know, words, use it, you know, name calling, you know, to bring your self-value down. So that is, that is the first thing I would tell her. Deepen, get get close to Jesus. He he is he is the true deliverer. He is the true ultimate. Her everything. Her provider. Jehovah Jireh. Her provider. Her her healer. Ooh, her peacemaker. Jehovah, you know, Shalom. Jehovah Rapha. Um, also, um, I would tell her she she gets you know. Um, get into Jesus, learn her identity, no condemnation um, in her to Christ Jesus, all that she's going to have to know um, in our hearts of hearts, okay? Um, or nothing, seek, okay, yes, seek help. I'll tell you, yes, seek help, of course. Um, therapy, counseling, but also, most importantly, godly advice. Godly, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Um, I'm not knocking, and, and I'm saying I'm not knocking any other kind of counseling. Um, like I said, I had both. I've been in both situations, and I've counseled on both sides. Okay, 
But in, in my situation, when I first, um, we, we actually was ordered to go to a counselor in a past abuse relationship. Um, I listened to her. It wasn't godly. Um, he listened to her. He didn't take any advice. It actually did not um, uh, change my life. Um, but when godly counsel, somebody, godly counsel came in, and I was introduced to, to someone with godly counsel, true, pure, godly counsel, someone who didn't misinterpret the scriptures, someone who didn't tell me, oh, you must be submissive, and wife must submit to their husbands and, and stuff, somebody who, who knew, really knew, that changed my life. True, godly counsel. Wow. And this, this, this requires wow. knowledge. Get get hooked up to the support the support groups um, in the community. You know, um, you know, know them, and yeah. go to yeah, go to um, you know, symposium. Open their eyes have to be opened um, to the knowledge and to experiences of others also. Yeah. You know, so we could be wow. you know guided out of it and safety planning. You know, increase their knowledge of it. So okay, so that's what you know. I'm Real good, real good advice. Dr. Val, you were going to add something to that. Yeah, I was saying that, first of all, you got to forgive yourself. That was one of my second, my second book is um, Unveiling Secret, Forgiving Your Past to Free Your Future. Because a lot of times when you go through trauma such as that, the weight of it, you can't get from money because you can't you 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 put that brunt of responsibility on yourself. Like, why did I stay in here? Why did I do this? And why did I do that? The first Absolutely. step to healing is forgive yourself and value your life. Know that you're worth it. Yes. Knowing that God spared you makes you worth it. And you capitalize and build from there. A lot of times you will not know where you're going. You will not know the next step. But the first thing to do is acknowledge where you are right now, how you got there, so that you can free yourself. Because one of the things I discovered in this situation, saved and unsaved, is that Mm -hmm. people will always, you know, belittle you and condemn you for being where you were, but once you own it, they can't throw it in your face anymore. Yes, that's where I was, but that's not where I'm staying. That's not where I'm going. Don't allow anybody's opinion dictate your reality. And once you do that, you'll be able to monitor with wings as an eagle, as the word of God says. But when you're in a situation of healing and trying to move to the next level, the word of God really has no effect because of the fact that you feel that, you know, the Lord has betrayed you because you allow the perpetrator to win, but you're yet broken. But God is there in the midst of it. He's holding you. That goodness and mercy is following you. He's keeping you in a shield of protection so that you can be a mouthpiece and a voice to speak to the nations. And, you know, um, I, I can't stress stress the fact that you have to forgive yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 Well, listen, both of you have given great advice, and I know that we're up against the clock, having about uh, about seven minutes left in the program. I did want to revisit something, and for those of you that are listening tonight, 
This is Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. And uh, uh, just know that you can go back to uh, www.soulofamericaradio.com and you can find the podcast to this particular show tonight and you can share it with someone. I want to go back to the point, uh, you know, when when Lothary, you were talking about the fact of whoever you turn to, counselor, whatever, you wanted someone who, who, you know, if it was religious or faith counselor, to be able to rightfully divide the scriptures, and that's very important. And what I want to say that's very that's very important. I just actually preached a message yesterday um, at a, a at a particular church, and we talked about this a little bit. Is the fact that the scripture scripture is oftentimes used to bind victims up in domestic violence, especially uh, Christian people. And so we have to understand that even when it comes to the word, we talk about Ephesians five and. You know, most people jump on Ephesians 5 and 22, and that's where the scripture says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband as as you do uh, to the Lord. And um, that's where a lot of people start off at. And what has happened that over the years that the word submission has been made to sound like a dirty word. It's a bad word. It's a word of terror and rule. But in all actuality, the word submission is not a bad word at all. God himself spoke it. He meant for it to happen, but he meant for it to happen in his divine way. See, the word submission does not mean the person becomes uh, subjugated to abuse, pain, and violence. It does not mean that the person is supported. But what the word submission actually means, it comes from a, the Greek word there, it comes from a word hapatasso which means it is the continuing aligning oneself uh, with one another. And so why is this important? Because although most preachers and a lot of us love going to Ephesians 5 and 22, but we forget about 5 and 21. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5 and 21 talks about mutual submission. It says, and submitting yourself one to the other, okay, in the fear of God. And so it says, submit to one another, once again, and, and, and you must sum out, uh, you know, in the fear of God, this mutual submission here is very important. And we have to look at it like that because what it does mean is that submit does not mean to rule over. It doesn't mean to choose, uh, it doesn't mean to choose to place oneself under another, neither. Submission is yet a choice. It cannot be forced. It has to be chosen. And not submitting can never justify abuse. So a person can't say, well, the reason I abuse you because you didn't submit to me. That's not the way it works. Because, listen, that one is more likely to man who themselves submit to God. See, there's submission going on all the way. If the man is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church, then guess what? We have to also conduct ourselves in that manner. And so many people that are in the church especially find themselves Entrapped inside of abusive relationship because they are really bound by the misinterpretation of scripture. And when we look at this really and look at it for what it is, the whole scripture dealing with headship has to be talked about in its proper perspective. Once again, Ephesians 5 and 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. But when people take this out of, out of uh, context and they say things like, um, uh, uh, because the man is a head, he also has the power and the right to assert it. See, because we understand, listen, when we look at headship as being superiority, we have distorted what the Lord really meant inside of Scripture. See, the laying down of power is an example of headship that Christ gave. So when Christ came to the earth, he gave up all his heavenly power for his bride, the church. 
And so when we look at that, the original word for, for that, when we start talking about headship, is a word called capel. This word means the head of a river or the source of the river. It does not imply superiority. So part of our problem is that we have a problem with trying to be superior and not understanding that God has made us equal. Watch this. When God made Eve and Adam was put to sleep, God did not take Eve out of Adam's feet. He did not take Eve out of Adam's behind, but he took Eve out of Adam's side, his ribs, because she was never meant to walk necessarily under him, to be walked upon by him. She was never meant to walk behind him, but she was meant to walk beside him. And that is the thing that we have to understand in terms of this, because when we use headship, and we use authority as a battering ram, we take God's order out of context, and many times it justifies in the mind, mind of many men that I'm doing my rightful thing. I'm the head of this. I'm running this, and I'm going to show you I'm the head of this. And that's not the way Christ ruled. Because if he said, love her as Christ loved the church, then how did Christ love the church? He didn't force any of us into this thing. And so I just wanted to say that tonight, and you women are, uh, you, you, are you're incredible. Your stories are incredible. Uh, listen, before we're done, uh, uh, Dr. Val, give people information how to reach you, your, uh, your website and your foundation. Okay, it's from the soul of a woman.com. That's www.fromthesoulofawoman.com. And um, also on Facebook, Valerie Parker, that's V-A-L-O-R-I-E, Parker. Okay. All right. And Letheria, give people, uh, give people how to reach you and tell them again about this book that's coming out. Uh, we, have about, ooh, we have about 25 seconds, so let's see if we can get it in. <laughs> okay. Yes, this dynamic book um, called Secrets of a Minister's Wife, it will be out um, next week. The week after, um, you can reach me. I'm going to give a quick uh, phone number. It's area code 561-667-6250. Again, that number is area code 561-667-6250. Or email me at powerfulwoman2015 at gmail.com. That is powerfulwoman2015 at gmail.com. Um, thank you, Pastor Ficken, again for this uh, awesome uh, opportunity um, at this time to share, like I said, um, the information about this God-given um, creative book that He has placed in, you know, inside of me to give to the Absolutely. rest of, of the people. Yes, for the help. Okay. help Absolutely. All means. Mm-hmm. You're, you're welcome. And to all our listeners listening tonight, we've had a great time tonight. So glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. And until next Monday, I say to you, be safe. Listen, there's no excuse for abuse. You know anyone in an abusive relationship, 1-800-799-7233, 1-800-799-SAFE. But until next week, this is J.R. Thicklin saying, God bless and be safe.
Thank you.